This is the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the inside track on Liverpool FC's next opponents. They've taken their crown and now next up for Liverpool is a trip to Man City with still plenty to play for. Welcome to Behind Enemy Lines here on Blood Red. I'm Guy Clark as we get the lowdown on the Reds' next opponents. And for the first game after being confirmed as Premier League champions, Jurgen Klopp's side head to the Etihad this evening. Coming up, we'll discuss Man City's frustrations in losing their crown, the rebuilding job on Pep Guardiola's hands and why there's still plenty to play for tonight for both Liverpool and Man City. Joining us to get into all of that and much more is the Manchester Evening News senior football writer Tyrone Marshall. Tyrone, thanks for your time. How are you keeping? Uh, yes, uh, not too bad, thank you. Uh, good to have the, uh, the football back. It's um, been a long three months or so without it, but uh, good that it's now, uh, now back on our screens. And uh, a shame there's no fans there, but at least it's, it's something we can enjoy for now. Yeah, and I suppose for City as well, it was it was coming back and the inevitable, I suppose, getting confirmed with Liverpool taking the title. Yeah, I think they knew it was it was obviously only going to be a matter of, of time and, and when it happened and how it happened really. They knew they knew the title race was over but before lockdown. It was over well before lockdown. And that was no doubt for anyone at City. Pep's been saying it's over for for months. So it was no great surprise. It was only going to be a case of, of when it happened and, and how it happened and and things like that. The you know, the Premier League is a chance for, for Guardiola and his team to, to try out a few new things, look ahead to next season. But they're kind of bread and butter. I think they're pretty safe in second. Their bread and butter is the FA Cup where they won at the weekend and, and building up to the Champions League in August, really. Yeah, I suppose the, the only surprise maybe was the nature in which the title was decided with City coming back for Project Restart in scintillating form, the wins over Arsenal and Burnley at the Etihad and then going to Stamford Bridge and it looked at one stage they were back in the game. They may well have gone on and won, but of course, Frank Lampard's side taking the points, that getting sorted. And then, as you say, at the weekend, the uh, the attention focusing towards the FA Cup. Yeah, I mean, it, it was almost a, a neat way of encapsulating City season, the, the way they did sort of surrender the title it. It, it sums up so many of their defeats this year have come just completely out of the blue. They, they can look in fantastic form. They'll put together two or three good results, but they've just not had the consistency this season. And the problem is the defeats, when they come, come out of the blue. They go into these games looking good, but it, it all just falls apart over 90 minutes. They've made far too many individual mistakes. There's there's major issues defensively, which which need rectifying. And it, it kind of summed up the season that they were they were poor at the back. They were poor defensively and made mistakes. And, Going forward, for all their for all their neat play and for, for the chances they created, they didn't take enough of them, and they didn't. They've not attacked with the same sort of verve and speed that they have over the two the two previous years, and I think a combination of those things has has cost them. And Thursday's performance was probably uh, it probably encapsulated their season in ninety minutes, really. So it's probably quite apt the way it panned out for them. Yeah, certainly. I suppose the, the the surprise this season is the amount of games lost. It's the the same amount of games as Leicester. In fact, Wolves have lost fewer games. I think actually Man City have probably lost yeah the same number of games as Arsenal. Both have lost yeah. eight games. And it does seem that when City aren't winning and, as you say, aren't at their best, it's not just a case of getting something from the game. They do tend to lose those close games. Yeah, they have. They have. And I mean, they'll be kicking themselves at, at virtually all of them, really, because so many of them have, have come down to to those mistakes they've made. And it it's kind of all come at once for them this season. I think they were unfortunate in that, that they'd obviously chose not to replace company last summer. They didn't want to pay what United paid for Maguire. 
and then to lose America Laporte, who was probably their their one reliable centre half and also a keen and attacking centre really with his passes into midfield. To lose him in August for, for most of the season just sort of highlighted how risky that decision not to replace company was. And I think that that cost them and, and it's been that they're losing games because they've been poor at the back and because they've not been able to to keep it tight and to only concede one if they're if they're having an off day. Too often they've conceded two or three goals in a game and and lost them that way. But there's they're, they're difficult to predict because there's no rhyme or reason to these defeats. As we saw last week, they can go into it. You're thinking they're the best team since the season restarted, and then from nowhere they'll just they'll just throw in a shocker. And losing to Chelsea is is no great disgrace, but they've lost a lot of games this season where you look at it on paper and you think, well, that's that's a walkover, especially for City and Tull. Until kind of last Christmas, we're, we're winning every game against the, the bottom 14, so to speak. But they've just become too sort of vulnerable in those games now and, and making too many too many costly individual mistakes. I think that's what, that's what needs rectifying for next season. Yeah, you mentioned the defence there. And one player who played out such a key part of the narrative last season between Liverpool and City, the 11 millimetres at the Etihad, was John Stones, who, looking mm. at it this season, he's he's only actually started 10 Premier League games. It doesn't seem to have been the signing and the player that they perhaps hoped he was going to be when he arrived at the club. No, I mean, Guardiola is still sort of quite defensive of him. But, he, I mean, this season should have been... Stones' real opportunity, really, not only with company departing, but with Laporte then getting injured. There was a vacancy there alongside Fernandinho for, for Stones or Otamendi, and neither's grabbed it. Um, I think Otamendi we probably knew he wasn't going to, to, to make that place his own. I think you know, he'd left last summer had it not been for, for the failure to get a company replacement. With Stones, he's, he's just sort of, he continues to regress, really. There's just, there are too many mistakes. He's He's fallen down the pecking order. I mean, there's been a game, a couple of games this season where Eric Garcia, who's 19, has been on the bench ahead of him or involved ahead of him. And it kind of shows John Stones is standing. It, it, it's difficult to know where he goes because I think I think Guardiola likes him as a player, but he's just not seeing the consistency that, that he needs from him. And it's difficult to know whether it, that involves a move now. I think the issue for City is that they're so short at the back that they, they need more they need more options they've got Fernandinho Laporte's back they'll have Fernandinho for another year but he's getting on and then Otamendi and Stones I think they would probably gladly let both go if they could get two world-class replacements in but I think we know in in this summer's transfer market that's going to be a lot easier said than done yeah and looking at obviously the, the points totals that City have put up over the last two seasons the 100 point season the 98 points over the course of those two seasons, only dropped 30 points in the Premier League, yet we've still got seven games to go, and that's the position they find themselves in now. They've dropped 30 points across the course of the season. Is there a fear that complacency or anything is, is set in like that after being back-to-back champions? Um, I, 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 don't, I don't get the impression from Pep that he thinks that's an issue, certainly with, with what he says. I think it's there's perhaps a natural... I think. I think Pep was astonished that they could go again last season and get 98 points after getting 100. I think, you know, that was the real achievement. We've seen so often how teams can can win a title and we've seen how hard it is to defend the title and, and go again. So I think to do it two years in a row it was a mighty achievement as far as Guardiola's concerned. And there was perhaps to be an inevitable bit of drop-off this season. M- motivation is, you know, it, even if it's only a percentage or two, it, it can hurt you if you suddenly lose it. They've obviously been affected by by injuries this year and you know the loss of company and Laporte cannot be understated really. I think that is that is undoubtedly what has chiefly cost them with with the defensive vulnerabilities. And I think there's also just it, I mean, 
it's difficult to know where they go from here. The, the, it involves a big summer. It's, I think it's a real challenge for, for Guardiola to rebuild the side. But there is, I think it's exposed a few cracks in, in the system this year and a few sort of individuals that, that might need kind of phasing out and, and a, a bit of a rebuild job and just sort of some, some fresh energy into the side. Yeah, just as you were saying that, I was just wondering that you always think of Manchester City as this juggernaut who have plenty of resource behind them and always sort of add stellar quality to the side in transfer windows and that as we were saying before when they're at their best they're scintillating best they can put runs of games together of collecting so many points yet in how Liverpool last season matched them albeit for stride for stride by one point and then this season have gone again whether that's actually been somewhat of a watershed moment for Pep Guardiola to realise actually just just what he is up against and I suppose as you were alluding to there the job he's got on his hands of, of building maybe his second great city side yeah definitely I, I think it's a, a rope piece on this last week I think it's a, a fascinating one in terms of sort of watching Guardiola and how he goes about it as well I mean he's he's been a manager for 12-13 years now but he's never really been in this position before a, a Barcelona he won three trophies in a row, and then Real won in his fourth season, but that was Pep's last season there. Obviously, at Bayern, he won three Bundesligas in a row. He, he came in at City, and he inherited a side that needed a bit of work doing. By the time he'd done that work, you know, at the end of season two, they'd got 100 points and, and won the title. This is the first time he's he's lost the title and has had to regain it and find a way to regain it and find a way to make up those points on Liverpool. So, it is, although, he's, although we feel like we know everything about Guardiola and how he plays and his, his, his methods and his you know how you know his, his general managerial career. It, it is a new challenge for him, and for the first time, we are probably going to learn something slightly new about him in, in terms of how he goes about it and how he tries to to rebuild the team and and, and to motivate them to, to get the title back. Behind enemy lines on the Blood Red Channel. In terms of Guardiola, you will have seen him at far closer quarters than I, but immediately after conceding the title, he was gracious to Liverpool in the way that they have taken the title from City this year, but was very quick as well to trot out his line about how many domestic competitions that Man City win. And there's always that feeling about Guardiola that he goes everywhere to win a Champions League, but he's not won one since 2011, but he seems to be very proud of having that domestic dominance wherever it is he's been. He does, yeah, and I think the fact it's always shown in that that they play City play very. Although we put some kids in there, he generally plays a strong team in in the Carabao Cup, the EFL Cup. You know, we often see one of Aguero or, or Jesus starting. You might see Sterling starting, and although there'll be a, a couple of kids in there, there will also be two or three real established first teamers. And he takes those competitions seriously. He wants to win every competition. And I think the domestic, certainly the domestic treble last year and, and winning all those domestic titles and the Cups and, and still in the FA Cup this year, I think is a real source of, of pride for him. He's, he's been admitting since the new year, really, that Liverpool are, have been the outstanding team in the Premier League this year. And, and he has been effusive in their praise. And, and it is a fascinating rivalry. But I do think he's he's very proud as well of City's record in the Cups and their, you know, the sheer weight of trophies that they win. And I think he'll, he'll certainly look to defend the FA Cup again this year. And if they win that, then... You know, it's, although it's not the season they wanted because they haven't won the league, because obviously still the Champions League to come, but to win sort of back-to-back cup doubles in this country, I think would would be a remarkable achievement as well. Yeah, certainly would. But looking then at how City do go about this rebuild, of course there is the the Court of Arbitration for Sport case going on in the background. The the outcome of that's still yet to be determined. But there has been obviously with the the situation that's been going on, UEFA have spoken about 
financial fair play. And you do just wonder then if that will give City the opportunity this summer to perhaps press ahead and and get the checkbook back out and bring in, as we were saying, building another side because you think the likes of Fernandinho perhaps getting into his final years at City, uh, David Silva is set to leave and you just wonder as well how much longer Sergio Aguero will be needed to keep going on and being the talisman at the top end of the pitch. Yeah, yeah. well, I think that the success I've had over the last decade, they've had some real, some real stalwarts there, but it, it was inevitable that, that that side would kind of grow all together in a way. And we've obviously seen Yaya Torre started it, company left last summer, David Silva's going this summer, Fernandinho will go next summer. Let's say Aguero, they would like him to, to stay beyond the end, beyond next summer, but he's always said he'd, he'd like to return to Argentina at some point. So there is kind of an end of an era feel to it. Um, City sort of transfer business this summer is a little bit unknown. The, the plan was always to, to spend. It will be affected now by by what's happened and by the fact that every club is is counting the cost of the lack of matchday revenue and, and things like that. And I think the issue for them is that the, the priority has to be defensive um, reinforcements. They've still not placed company and we've seen what, what a costly mistake that was. They've still not got a, a left back that they can rely on every week. So there are issues there and they probably need at least two, if not three, defensive reinforcements. Yet you look further up the pitch and like we say, Silva's going, Leroy Sane almost certainly is going to go. So there's gaps there to be filled as well. The the impression from from what Guardiola is saying at the moment is that they won't they won't be seeking outside replacements for, for either. So it seems like defensive reinforcements will be will be top of the list, but that will leave the departure of Silva and Sane, although Phil Foden can fill in, will leave holes in the squad as well. So it is it is going to be interesting to see how they go about it and, and how they look to, to rebuild next season, whether it's rebuilding through the transfer market or slight tactical changes and a, and a remodeling of the squad. Yeah, of course, he did hand a lot of opportunities to young players when he was at, at Barcelona and now four years at the club, you do get the, the feeling that Pep Guardiola's probably got a strong grasp on what is coming out of the academy. We're still all really waiting for that mass breakthrough for Foden. I suppose the feeling being that he could be the heir for David Silver and that therefore would be one less one less player in which they need to replace in the transfer market. Yeah, I, I think Foden will play a big role next season. Um, whether it's in that Silver role or even potentially as a, as a Sane replacement, we've seen him play in the front three quite a bit. Um, just before lockdown and, and since the season's restarted, he's, he's played there as well. And Guardiola sort of really talked him up as, as a potential option in, in the front three and almost playing in one of the wing options. And he talks a lot about how, how effective he is in and around the penalty area and how important it is to get him there. So I do wonder, although he said a lot that Phil Foden will be David Silver's heir, from what, from what Guardiola said, it, it feels recently like he's seen a lot from him that he likes further forward as well, which could mean he, he could kind of fill in for, for Sane as well. Obviously, they've coped without Sane for most of this season. So he could almost see Foden as a, a central midfielder and a, and a wide option. And I think he will play a, a big role next season. He's played quite a big role since the season restarted. And I do think next year he'll, he'll be heavily involved. But it's uh, it's a lot to ask for for you know a 19-year-old to replace Silva and Sane next year. So I think it will still leave problems in the squad. He, he's talked about Gabriel Jesus can play wide left as well. But it is kind of you know, shunting players slightly out of position there to, to fill gaps, which is not, not going to be ideal for next season. Yeah, we in the media love to talk up rivalries b- between clubs and we've seen the, the one developing between Man City and Liverpool now, really, ever since Jurgen Klopp came to Anfield. And just wondering, that competitive rivalry between the two sets of 
players, regardless of obviously the fans unable to be in the ground. That will probably be really evident and on show at the Etihad on Thursday. Of course, Pep Guardiola said that the, the Guard of Honour will happen and I'm sure the City players will be clapping through gritted teeth. Yes, I would have thought so. Obviously, to, to surrender their title is you know, is a major disappointment and I think they will they will see this game. It's one that the motivation comes easy, really, for them. They will see this game as a chance to to prove a point, to, to try and show that, they're, as they'll see it, the title is only on loan at Anfield and, and they'll be reclaiming it next year. I think City will be stung by the fact that they are they are so far behind. You know, they'll be mightily impressed what Liverpool have done this year, but they would never have expected to be this far behind. And I think that will hurt. And I think they'll want to close that gap over the, the final weeks of the season. Obviously, winning on Thursday is an ideal chance to do that. And it is just a, you know, it's an opportunity to, to remind Liverpool and, and to show the rest of the world that, you know, don't write us off. We, we're still in there fighting and, and we've got a point to prove ahead of next season. So I think it, I think it will be a fascinating game in, in terms of how it plays out because obviously Liverpool have the alternative motivation of, of trying to show that you know they're, they're the best team in the country and they can beat they can beat City home and away. So I think I think both teams will have a point to prove and it, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. I'm not sure it'll tell us much for next season, but the motivation for City will, will come pretty easily. You'd have thought. As you say, the the idea and the notion that this is going to be a dead rubber with the league already sewn up seems to be by far out of the equation. As you say, Liverpool will want that double over Man City winning both home and away. And for City, you did mention it before, the, into the, the semi-finals of the FA Cup. And then in August, they're of course still in the Champions League. So there is still a lot riding on the season for City. Yeah, there is. There is a lot to play for. And anyway, if this season ends in August with City lifting the Champions League, then... I think the fact that they've not won the title will be very quickly forgotten um, at, at the Etihad. Winning the Champions League has, has always been the holy grail, really, for for Guardiola and the club, if not the fans. The fans have got a bit of a, a complex relationship with the, the competition. But I think if they win it, then the merits will, will be pretty clear and we know how much Guardiola wants to win it. So if, if the season was to end, if they were to win the FA Cup and the Champions League and, and win three cup competitions again, then I think it would be you know, an, an incredible season in, in terms of just the sheer weight of trophies they've won over the last three years. But the, the Champions League is definitely the one they want. They're obviously in a great position to to get past Real Madrid. Um, the, it's hard to know whether the format will help them or not because we, we've seen, as I said this season, that they can just throw in crazy games from, from nowhere, really. You wouldn't expect that to happen in Champions League games, but the lack of a second leg maybe doesn't give them that get-out-of-jail-free card if they do have an off day. But you know they've got a lot to play for in that competition, and depending on the the cash ruling as well, it will we'll know whether it's kind of their their last opportunity for a little while, or whether they'll be back in it next year as well, which might have an impact. Yeah, and I'm sure as you said that with the fans, their feeling towards UEFA, they'd love nothing more than to win the competition, and even if the club are then banned from it, going out with the trophy under their arm. Yes, I think I think the the city fans, if the ban is upheld, then I think that the city fans would see. You know, City winning the um, the Champions League and then refusing to take part in the presentation, or you know, doing some kind of mic drop, trophy drop thing, or, or something like that. You know, or turning their backs. I think, I think that would definitely play into the the, uh, the mindset of City fans, given their relationship with with UEFA and the view that UEFA have, have long been out to to get the club, which, which dates back well before FFP. To be fair, um, th- yeah, there's definitely. You know, there's there's no love lost between UEFA and City fans and UEFA and, and club executives, really. So, if the ban was upheld, I think City City and their fans would probably find it uh, quite funny that they were to lift the trophy and and then not be allowed back to defend it. But then the the club remain incredibly confident that they will get the ban 
overturned. So I think that, you know, that will be, with one of all City's games left on the pitch, I think that will be the most fascinating development between now and the end of the season. Yeah, and I'm sure it's one that Liverpool fans will be keeping an eye on as well. Tyrone, thanks for your time. I'd say enjoy the game, but I'm con- contractually obliged to, to not be able to, to say that to you from <laughs> the City point of view. But enjoy the match nonetheless and uh, speak yeah, to you, you soon. Yes, will do. Speak to you soon. Thanks, guys. Tyrone Marshall, senior football writer at the Manchester Evening News, giving us the inside view on City ahead of tonight's game at the Etihad. Remember to keep tuned to the Liverpool Echoes live match blog through the course of the game before the post-game podcast here on the Blood Red channel, as we'll hear from Jurgen Klopp's press conference, our man Paul Gorst, as well as plenty of fan reaction. If you can subscribe, rate or review wherever it is you listen to your audio on demand, that would be more than appreciated. But from myself, Guy Clark, and all here at Blood Red, thanks for your time and company. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel.